Hey, get your Bibles out and open it up to Psalm 92. I've, I've got really kind of an exciting thing that this was speaking to me today, and I want to share it with you. Psalm 92. I'm going to begin reading with verse 10 here in just a moment. My lesson tonight I entitled, A Fresh Anointing for a New Day. A Fresh Anointing. Why don't you go ahead and back up one. Thank you. A Fresh Anointing for a New Day. You never know when God might do something special in a corporate setting. You know, I believe God can move on you as an individual at your home. You could be driving in your car and all of a sudden Spirit of the Lord comes and, and can minister to you. And, and I believe in the priesthood of the believer. I believe that uh, we can access God anytime, any place on our own. And that's a wonderful thing. But there's a reason we gather together because God's able to do things together that sometimes I don't think he can do when we're all by ourselves. Which is why I think he said in Hebrews 10 and 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the habit of some but he said, uh, all the more as you see the day approaching, mutually edifying, encouraging, helping one another. So we know that there are things that can happen when we gather together. But, but whenever we gather together, just like tonight, I don't know if, if you evaluate these things. I always, you know, I'm always, I'm, 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 I'm at about three different levels when I'm, I'm, I'm individually worshiping God. I'm a pastor worshiping God. I'm trying to think, God, what are you doing this next moment? So I, there's all sorts of things kind of working through my brain. But even tonight as we were singing that song, and we don't have the full Sunday crowd today. It's, it's the Wednesday night crowd. But, but we started to transcend something as we were singing that last song. I could, I could sense it. And you know, as much as you can worship God on your own anywhere you want, anytime, you can't have those moments unless you're together. There's something that happens when we come together. And the Lord has been stirring amongst us lately. And uh, so I just felt like this word was timely. Some of this, I'm sure, will be a review for many of you. Some, it may be brand new. Uh, but either way, I think he's going to talk to us. Psalm 92, verse 10. Listen to this. David's writing here. He says, but my horn. In fact, have you posted that? Can we post Psalm 92? Did you do that? Great. I'll just, I won't. My eyesight, I've got my, you know, bifocals here and it's hard unless I. So I look at the screen. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I'm going to stop right here. The horn, whenever you read that in Scripture, it always signifies strength. The horn was, was the ox or the animal's strength. And uh, it actually, I put down here, it, it, is, it is strength and, and power. You know, you don't mess with an animal that's got horns. I mean, I mean, that's their strength. You, you cut off their horns and you, you've, you've cut away their whole ability to defend themselves or to be aggressive or anything else. So anytime you see horn in Scripture, it has to deal with strength. And he says, my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Well, how did that happen? How, how was his strength increased and how was his strength exalted? Well, he tells us, he says, I have been anointed with fresh Oil. Now, he didn't say stale oil, did he? Nor did he say old oil. He said fresh oil. Next verse. My eye has 
Also seen my desire on my enemies, my ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous, though, he says, shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Next verse. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, you see, that's that's a great verse for explaining to folk why it's really good to be connected. Because if you're connected in the house of the Lord, if you're planted in the house of the Lord, you begin to flourish. I found that to be true. It says that they shall still bear fruit in old age. Hallelujah. All of us AARP members. It says they shall be fresh and flourishing. Next verse. To declare that the Lord is upright. See, that's why... That's why he gives you longevity. That's why he gives you strength. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I'm going to talk about that psalm here in just a second. But I want to talk about fresh anointing, fresh oil. I grew up uh, in church, started uh, faithfully back in the late 70s and the early 80s. And a lot of our churches in those days, and I know many churches still do, they use the old 1611 King James Version. Nothing wrong with that. I, I use the new King James Version. Nothing wrong with that either. Uh, but, but the old King James Version, whenever it reached a, a verse that said anointing, they would use another word. It was called unction. And you'll see that in the old King James Version. Unction. Unction. And I can remember we would go to prayer meetings, and oftentimes... At prayer meeting, everybody would get together, the saints would get together, and we would pray. And as we would pray, we would pray for the preacher. That's what we, we, we really didn't call him pastor, we called him preacher. I have a few people still like, they'll call me preacher. Um, although around here, I guess m- mostly we say pastor, but there we said preacher. Give, give the preacher unction. That's what we pray. How many of you remember like praying like that? Unction. Give him unction. They didn't do that in the Catholic church yet? They didn't do that, okay. All right. Now, what that meant to us, we didn't know what that meant. We just knew that's what you're supposed to pray. And what that meant kind of in our psyche meant that if he had unction, he yelled. Unction equals yelling. That's how we understood it. Because that's when the, you know, that's when the anointing came, when he hollered. You know, if you ever wondered, when does pastor get under the anointing? When he hollers. Unction. He has unction. The problem was, though, because of that, we, we tended to see unction or anointing reserved only for the ministry. But I want to share something with you tonight. All of us need unction to function. I'm going to just show you 1 John 2.20. Look at this verse. 1 John 2.20. Post it. But you, everybody say, that's me. Yeah, but you have an anointing. From the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, I know that passage sounds like everybody's a know-it-all. What he means is, is that when an anointing is in operation, at that moment, you, you are supernaturally empowered to really do more than you even know. 
All right. But it says you have an anointing. So it's not just for pastor. It's not just for apostles and for prophets and maybe for people that work in the church or whatever the case may be. You have an anointing. Jump down to verse 27. It says this, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. Of course, he's referring to that again. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. I like this verse because it basically says to me, there's an anointing for all things. Everything in life that you face, there's an anointing for. So is there an anointing to do ministry? Of course, that that that's pretty much the only thing most of us have ever thought about. But can I just share this with you? There's an anointing for business. There's an anointing for parenting. How many of you know that in this day and age, if we got youngins and they're growing up, we need an anointing to parent. I can tell you, I cried out to God for an anointing to parent and I still do help me give me an anointing to parent my kids. I believe that there's an anointing for marriage. I mean, if we're not going to fall into the four out of seven divorce statistic, then I don't know about you. I'm going to need an anointing to make my marriage last a lifetime. Come on. You know, I need some oil on that. Oil reduces friction. Amen. I need an anointing on my marriage. Now, knowledge is good. Knowledge is even important. We ought to get knowledge, but I'm going to share this with you. You won't get a breakthrough in your life unless you understand what the anointing is. What is the anointing? Let me give you the definition of it. Post that. The anointing. Definition. Slide. Coming. Power. Power for your purpose. That's what the anointing is. It's God's touch for the task. Power for your purpose. God's touch for the task. And oftentimes when the anointing comes, it carries with it favor. Now I'm going to give you some bad news here. Now I'll have some good news, but here's the bad news. God has called you to do something that you can't do. Yes, he has. He's called you to be something you can't be. He's called you to achieve something that is beyond your ability and capability. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. He sends an anointing for you to be and accomplish that. That's the good news. Now, let me go back to the psalm here. Let me go back to David's psalm and the need for fresh oil. Many times in Scripture, oil is used as the imagery to communicate anointing. Oil, if you see oil in the Old Testament, you can almost make the leap and say, God is imaging and anointing here. Now, I'm not going to read you the passages out of Exodus 30. I'll just tell you that in Exodus 30, beginning with verse 22, the Lord commands Moses to create an ointment. He, he actually gives him the ingredients of this anoint, uh, ointment, and it will be turned into an oil. And the Lord says to Moses, use this oil and put it on everything that will be associated with the tabernacle. So they're going to anoint the priests because they're going to be functioning in ministry. But they're also going to put an anointing oil on the tabernacle furniture. They're going to put an anointing oil on the utensils that are in there as well. And everything that was in the tabernacle was going to get 
the anointing placed on it. Because God, that signified, number one, it was separated for the work of the Lord. And number two was, it, it, it signified that God was going to use these things in order to minister and help his people. Now, boy, there's a message there, isn't there, about the anointing. Now, interestingly, that oil was not a one-time application. As acts of service and the tabernacle or eventually the temple ritual would take place, the oil would have to be replenished. There were occasions where they would replenish and re-anoint things. And the picture that begins to spring off that, as I was thinking about it today, I thought about that, that the point was that God was telling me, you can't live off yesterday's anointing. Are you hearing me? The worst thing you can do is park on the spot where God used you or talked to you years ago. If you don't press forward with Him, you're going to find yourself one day to be a spiritual fossil. God is a forward-moving God. He's not going back. He's not looking back. He's not pining and whining for a day gone by. You know, God, think about this. Today, today, God is not somehow in the heavens kind of pining away saying, oh, if only we could go back to that tabernacle that Moses built me years ago. You understand God's not saying that. God's not saying, oh, if only, if only we could go back to that wonderful temple that Solomon built me years ago. That's not what God's saying. You understand God left that and he's given us a new covenant and a fresh anointing. His tabernacle no longer is in the threads of the fabric and in the wood and, and, and the utensils. That's, that's not where His presence dwells. His tabernacle is here. This is where He set up shop. And this is the cool thing. When God moves forward, and I put it on the screen, when God moves forward, He always eclipses Himself. Now, you've heard me say that for years, haven't you? Whenever God moves forward, He always... God never goes backwards. He's never retreating. He never does less than he did before. He's always eclipsing himself. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. It says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. So whatever you read taking place in a tabernacle or in a temple, or even if you get to the book of Acts and you read Acts chapter 2 and you see that amazing day of Pentecost and you begin to say to yourself, oh, that we could just have another day like that. God will look at you and rebuke you because God's not going back to the day of Pentecost to recreate what happened years ago. God's moving forward. And here's the good news. God wants to do something greater than even the day of Pentecost. Is that not remarkable? He's already done Pentecost. Praise God for it. But now he says, I'm going to do something even greater. Now, I'm going to use David, and I'm trying to get back to the psalm here. David actually experienced three anointings. Three anointings. <clears throat> Write down 1 Samuel 16, 13. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Uh, Matt, if you can post that, if you got it. It says that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, meaning David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, what happened here is, is that David, as you'll recall, was in the sheep field. The prophet comes to the house of Jesse. 
He's, he's, he's been told by God that the next king's going to be there. David's out watching sheep. Calls him in and uh, sees David and begins to anoint him. Now, listen to this. This is the most important thing. There was an anointing that came on David that moment. There was a prophetic word over his life that he was to be king over all of Israel. And that anointing at that moment at a very young age, in fact, as best as I can figure, he was probably right around 16. I'm, I'm because I was able to, to add up the numbers going backwards, probably somewhere in that area, we find out that that anointing carried him for about seven years. I'm going to tell you how I know that in just a minute. But, but he's, he's got this anointing on his life, and it's an anointing. Listen to this. It's an anointing to kill a lion. It's an anointing to kill a bear. It's an anointing that gets him to take lunch to his brothers on the battlefield. And Goliath has the armies of Israel seized in fear. And there's an anointing to pick up five smooth stones with a sling and kill Goliath. There's an anointing to go to the house of Saul. There's an anointing to serve Saul. In fact, there's an anointing to duck the spears when Saul begins to get jealous and throw it at him. There's an anointing to run to the cave of Adullam. There's an anointing to just set up shop there with 400 distressed, depressed, and in-debt people. And they're in caves. How do, you, how do you survive cave existence? He had an anointing. But there came a moment that the anointing had to be replenished. So in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4, we read this. It says, Then the men of Judah came... And there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. Now, this was in Hebron. This wasn't over all Israel yet. This was in Hebron. And they told David, saying, the men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So David now comes into a new season. Saul is dead. David has now an opportunity to step up. And there's another anointing that comes on David's life. And this one, I did not know this till I studied it. This is brand new because I know I never taught this before. It was an anointing that lasted them another seven years. Isn't that amazing? It was another seven years. He's about 23 years old at this time. It's a new day. He's no longer ruling in caves. He's ruling in Hebron. There are new challenges to face, new battles to fight, new favor needed. And there had to be a new anointing. Now, finally, in 2 Samuel 5, verse 3, we read these words. It says, therefore, this is seven years later now. All the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over all Israel. And so here he reaches his destiny. Now listen to this. What got him out of the caves could not help him at Hebron. He had an anointing for the caves, but he had to get a fresh anointing for Hebron. And then once the door opened for him to go to Jerusalem, what had helped him to rule in Hebron was not what was needed in order for him to rule in Israel. So he needed a fresh anointing, a new day. I need a new anointing. Now, can I, I just want to share this with you real quick. I'm seeking God for a new anointing in a new day. I mean, there was an anointing. Think about this. There was an anointing for Fort Johnson Civic Center. There was an anointing, you know, for the Hampton Inn. There was an anointing for Legacy One. And there's an anointing here in this place as well. Praise God that he followed us 
The Lord, I shouldn't say he followed us. I mean, the Lord led us and anointed what was going on and brought us through all these places. But God's wanting to take us to another place. And there's going to have to come another anointing for a new day of fresh anointing for the next place, another anointing for the breakthroughs we need and anointing. Let me tell you, I believe God wants to send an anointing for the Charleston region. We, we've not stepped into that anointing yet. But I'm telling you that that anointing is stirring. Now, why is that important? Because the Bible tells us like in Acts 10, 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. There's an anointing to set people free, set them loose from the enemy and to bring healing to their bodies. In Isaiah 10, 27, post that it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. There's an anointing that's going to set the burdens of people free. And, 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 and you know, we're walking into a day and I mean, even the cable news networks are saying that we're facing times that no one has ever seen before. We just can't lay a template down from the past and, and think it's going to work. We've thrown money at it. We've, we've put our best minds to it. And here we are in a mess. What's going to get us out of a mess? It's a church that's under the anointing. See, are you following me? Yeah, yeah. So how's that released? Well, let me give you that. Real quick. You're going to listen real quick, right? Because I, I, I'm going to pray and I, I'm going to anoint us tonight with a fresh anointing. But how's that going to be released? I personally believe that anything spiritually received has to be cultivated by a hungry soul. If you're not hungry for something more than you currently have, then Odds are you're not going to get much from what God is wanting to do. And I'll tell you why. It's because, you know, God is not, God's not ramming anything down our throats. He's not making you do anything. He's not forcing you to do anything you really don't want to do. He has chosen to link himself somehow. And I've said this for years. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery how God's sovereignty interacts with our freedom. But he's linked himself to the desires of people, to the hunger of people, to the want of people. You got to desire the things of God. You have to want the promises of God. You have to hunger, the Bible says, and thirst after righteousness, Jesus said, for they shall be filled. So God will respond to the hungry. If you want to understand why God, I've had people ask me for years, why doesn't God move in healing power in all these third world countries? And why doesn't he do that in hospitals? And why doesn't he do this in, in places that so desperately need it? And, and I'll say this again. God does not move because you're needy. God moves because you're hungry. God's not looking for the greatest need. He's looking for the greatest faith. And if you'll get a hold of that, you'll understand why it seems like some walk in some form of blessing and while others seem to be left out in the cold. It's not that God loves one more than he loves the other. It's just that one thinks if they're more pitiful, that will somehow solicit God. And that's not true. He will pity you, but he will move to you when you arise up and say, oh, Jesus, Hosanna, son of David. 
When everyone else is telling you to pipe down, pipe down, Bartimaeus, pipe down. You keep, Hosanna, son of David. Jesus will hear that hungry heart. And he will come and he will touch your life. But, but hunger is, the, is really the condition. But let me just give you some practical things. There's just three things I have here. How, how you can receive fresh oil. All right? A couple of ways. Number one is impartation. Impartation. This is an interesting verse. Nobody ever preaches from this verse. It's an interesting one. Post 111, will you please? For I long to see you, Paul writes, that I may, listen to this. He says that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Isn't that an interesting verse? I know people say, well, I thought spiritual gifts come from God. Well, they do. But I'm going to say it again. God uses people to impart things to us. Paul literally says, I want to get to you so I can lay hands on you and I want to impart something in you, Bill. It's it's not from me. It's from him. But you ain't going to get it. You're following me. That's called impartation. Impartation. Touch can be a part of impartation. First Timothy 4.14 is interesting. Look, it says, don't neglect the gift which is in you. Timothy, Paul's writing to, he says, how was that given which was given to you by how? Prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. So literally, the gift came into Timothy when they laid hands on him and they began to prophesy over him. And there was a transmission. There was an impartation of something. There's a transfer. So you can receive fresh oil. And tonight I'm going to anoint people with oil and I'm going to lay hands on you. It may only be just for a moment. Listen to me. It doesn't take long. If you're hungry, you can be like a vacuum on a water hose. And the minute somebody touches you, if you're hungry, you can just pull the anointing out of them. I believe that can happen tonight. That's impartation. Secondly, I'm just giving you all the ways that I have found that it happens. Secondly, by serving. There's something that gets transferred when we serve. The illustrations are Joshua served Moses and Joshua received an anointing in order to take the people to their destiny. David served Saul and uh, served his dad. He was a servant. And yet there was an increase of the anointing out of that. Elisha served Elijah. And he received a double portion. Now serving, this is really great if you'll get a hold of this. Serving is not just helping. But if you'll get a revelation of this, when you serve, you're literally forging an anointing in your life. Golly, if you could get a hold of that. Some of you are missing refills of anointing just by serving. The men that were with David in the caves of Adullam, they served him. And yet when they came out, they were the ones that were the the veterans and the officers and, 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 you know, the cabinet of David. They had an anointing to do that because of their service. And then finally, and I, I realize this one won't be the best of news, but it's truth anyway. There are divine price tags. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by divine price tags? Well, a lot of anointing I have found comes out of persecution. Comes out of pressure. Comes out of problems. Comes out of difficulties. Think about this, and you know this to be true. Many of you know this to be true. That if you press your way through a problem and you come out on the other side in victory, there's an anointing that's there on your life 
that you can talk to and speak to and minister to people who are in the exact same problem. Isn't that true? And you help them. Now, how did you get that anointing? Did you read a book? No. Did you go to college for that? No. No, you pressed through something to the place of victory. And when you came out that other side, there was an anointing on your life that now gives you power and authority and credibility to begin to help other people press through their difficulties. I, I always thought of it this way. I always thought that, that when God puts me in a situation and he begins to squeeze me, if the anointing which we already read to you out of 1 John 2 and 27 abides in me and he begins to squeeze me, what happens is it's just like one of those, you know, decorating things on a cake, Amy. You know how you squeeze that thing and you decorate that cake? That's what he's doing to you. He's squeezing you. And what's come, and, and that's the question. What comes out of you? Well, we hope anointing. But what comes out of some people is... Yuck. Because you don't understand what, what God's doing to bring you into a place of new power. And I wrote this. God sets the price. The greater the destiny, oh, sweet Jesus, the greater the squeeze. <laughs> I, heard, I heard you, amen. <laughs> I'm with you, man. But if you feel like you're getting the big squeeze, the good news is you probably got big destiny. Listen, man. I have found through my trials, oftentimes a new anointing appears. I want you to hear that, Wally, man. I've gone through some challenging days, buddy. But I'm here to tell you, I, I, I got squeezed in that. And now all of a sudden I get to turn around and I get to talk to pastors. And there's authority and there's power and there's credibility. But it wouldn't have been there if I hadn't been in the squeeze. I'm not saying you're going to like the squeeze. I'm, I'm, who likes the squeeze? Nobody signs up for the sheet that says, class, being squeezed by God. Who signs up for that class? I mean, but many people miss it because they're too busy whining about the squeeze rather, rather than seeing what the juice is that's flowing out. Now, here's the good news. I have, I have no charge over squeezing. And I have no charge over serving. You got to choose. You got to choose whether you want to go through God's squeezing if you're in one of those times. Or you've got to choose whether you want to serve. Nobody can make you do that. But here's, here's the thing. I can lay hands. And whatever I have, this is what Peter said. He said, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I can give. I don't have much money. I'm not, I, believe me, I've reached the place where I don't even think I'm all that smart. I don't have much to give. But what I have, I'm more than willing to give. Now listen to me. I'm seeking God for a fresh anointing for a new day. I want a congregation that's got fresh oil. Fresh oil. And let me just tell you from a pastor's heart, I don't want you squeezed. I, I, would, I would spring you out of it if I can. In fact, I, I, I don't want you to have to go through a lot of the things I went through. So maybe, maybe this is God's moment for us to avoid the divine squeeze and just say, Lord, I just soon you pour it in me. <laughs> I just soon you just 
drop it on me. And the anointing, listen, will break the yoke. The anointing will set you free. Listen, the fresh anointing could heal your body. The fresh anointing could deliver you from what has been just that nasty little varmint that just keeps snipping at you. It's a, it's a fresh anointing. You may need a fresh anointing because you're walking into a new season. You're walking into something you've never walked into before. And you're just saying, you know what? That makes sense to me. I need a fresh anointing because I'm walking into a new season. Are you following me? Hey, stand with me for just a moment. Musicians, run to the platform, all right? Come on, guys. Let's get up there and let's get ready.